Welcome to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Diane Katz, author of Win at Work, The Everybody Wins Approach to Conflict Resolution, part one of two. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast, an interview with Diane Katz, author of Win at Work, The Everybody Wins Approach to Conflict Resolution, part one of two. The Strategy Driven Podcast focuses on the tools and techniques executives and managers can use to improve their organization's alignment and accountability to ultimately achieve superior results. These podcasts elaborate on the best practice and warning flag articles found on the Strategy Driven website at www.strategydriven.com. In this special edition podcast, Diane Katz, president of The Working Circle, shares with us her insights on how to deal with workplace conflict in a non-confrontational manner that enables everyone involved to win and the organization itself to function more productively. And so now, without any further delays, let's get started. We are privileged to be joined by Diane Katz, author of Win at Work, The Everybody Wins Approach to Conflict Resolution, and President of the Working Circle, a management consultancy providing organizational development, human resources, and team building training and coaching. For over 15 years, Diane has helped executives and managers in manufacturing, construction, technology, healthcare, government, and nonprofits better deal with workplace conflict using her eight-step non-confrontational method the Working Circle. Diane, welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast. Thank you, Nathan. It's really nice to be here. I'm thrilled to have you on the show. I think workplace conflict is certainly something that we all deal with. And from my personal experience, I, I know it can not only make the workplace uncomfortable, but I often struggle with coming up with a way to handle the conflict because I try to reinvent the wheel every time. So I was mm. thrilled to read your your book, When at Work, and your eight-step method. I particularly like that it was non-confrontational and provided the win-win scenario. And I think our listeners are going to just learn a whole lot through our, our discussion today. So thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks a lot. And, you know, I, I, I met with a dean of a business school recently, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, it's really not possible to have win-win. And I said, well, it's not necessarily that everybody walks away winning, but everybody walks away feeling like they were heard, and that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. And that in and of itself, I think, is a win, especially with mm-hmm. some of the organizations I have, well, in previous lives, worked in or in today's setting that I work with, I think there's a lot of people that go unheard and would really feel more valued and appreciated 
and that they just had a win if they were heard. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'd like to frame our discussion to start out with, and I was wondering if you could describe for our audience some of the harmful impacts that you've seen organizations suffer as a result of destructive conflict. Well, let me let me first, Nathan, let me differentiate between what I call constructive and destructive conflict. Okay. Um, constructive conflict is when there is conflict in an organization and no one stops focusing on the overall goals of the organization. So they can be at odds with each other, but they know they're on the same team. Okay. Whereas destructive conflict, um, the the people who are in conflict or the divisions who are in conflict, it becomes more important to win. And so the goals of the organization become secondary to the conflict and the winning. And so that then undermines the organization. And so destructive conflict, what happens is um, it, it could be two people, it could be two teams, it could be, you know, two divisions. Um you start to see one of the things that's happening actually quite often right now are silos where um, just like the image of silos represents in our minds, uh, people are focusing only on what do we have to do and let's not help the other team. There is sometimes um, information is key for a successful organization for people to have the appropriate and adequate information. Yes. And what happens with destructive conflict is sometimes I might not give you the information you need or on time, in the time that you need it, because I really want to stay ahead of you. And so information starts to not flow as easily as it, as it should. Uh, there, some of the other uh, things that happen with destructive conflict is there is a sense of a loss of productivity because individuals and or teams are focusing a big percentage of their time on trying to outdo or outperform their coworkers in a way that really the other team then can't perform as well and so they're and they spend a lot of time talking about the conflict rather than talking about the work so there is a loss of productivity and thirdly which just kind of is broad categories there's there's a there's a loss of morale and when then and when people don't aren't happy at work aren't feeling good about work they really don't give necessarily as much as they could necessarily give absolutely and you know i've seen a lot of studies done on workplace engagement and the difference in productivity levels is huge between workforces that can engage as a team and respect and value each other versus those workforces that are at odds with each other and are fighting against mm -hmm. each other. And, and Gallup did a survey, and their studies have shown upwards of 18% in productivity loss between companies that can manage effectively their conflict, or I should say constructively, and those that don't. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, which, if you look at it kind of in a concrete way, that means almost one day of my work week I'm spending on the conflict. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And if That's you're an organization, it's huge. And if you're an organization of any size, that translates very quickly into uh, headcount 
which is a, right. a quick direct bottom line hit because one in five employees essentially uh, worth of, of effort every year is spent mm-hmm. at being absorbed in conflict. And for some of the small businesses, the entrepreneurial businesses that I've, that I've worked with, when you might have only 50 people or 100 people, that has such an enormous impact on the output of the organization. Mm-hmm. Truly, truly. Now, I think fundamentally as a, as a business principle, and, and we talk a lot about it on Strategy Driven, we understand that all individuals are unique and that those special leaders that can constructively harness that uniqueness, those differences in perspectives and opinions and, and uh, skills can really garner a richness that enables their organization to achieve just so much more than others. Mm-hmm. Of course, mm-hmm. it's the individual difference that can lead to destructive conflict as well. What do you see as being some of the characteristic traits that make conflict destructive rather than constructive? Well, if we say that the mood, the tone starts at the top and we look at some leadership traits, uh, then we would see that organizations um, that have a lot of destructive conflict can have a leader that um, doesn't want to hear what other people have to say so it sets a tone of, you know, it's, it's my way or no way. There are, I think there are some leaders who think that setting up destructive competition, now internal competition is great. There's nothing yeah. wrong with it. I think competition is a form of conflict, and, it, and it's a wonderful thing. I mean, I've certainly worked in organizations that were highly competitive, and it spurred me on to do better and to be more creative. Mm-hmm. However, when a leader sets it up so that there is perhaps a favored person or there is um, uh, within their team, they uh, give information, again, passing information to to their subordinates that um, is uneven or unequal or they kind of, you know, I'm, I'm telling you this and, and I won't tell someone else. Uh, it doesn't have to be quite as blunt or, or overt as that. Mm-hmm. Pay practices, certainly pay practices that leaders uh, establish that um, if one person does better and, and a peer can do less well at the cost, you know what I'm saying? So I that it, it, isn't, it, isn't, it isn't if the organization does well and you do well, you get, you get adequately compensated. But if you make more, the other person has to make less. That is done sometimes, and that certainly sets up sets up destructive conflict. I think that leaders that um, that well, one of the interesting studies I read recently was that the higher up you go on the organization chart, the less accurate your self image is, and oh. that has to, a lot to do. That has a lot to do with um, everybody who walks into the corner office tells the person what they think they want to hear, and mm-hmm. The leader that accepts that and says, okay, tell me the truth. Don't you love working for me? Oh, yeah, we love working for you. Uh, that's going to set stuff up 
that people aren't aren't um, honest with each other. Another thing is when there is a lack of um, open dealing with conflict. There are leaders who are very conflict averse, and so that then puts the conflict underground. It means that the issues will continue to not be addressed, and it also means that there will be a, a flattening of creativity and innovation. And so that kind of con destructive conflict really hurts organizations and starts with the leadership behavior. Well, Diane, besides the leadership behaviors, are there policies or I'm thinking even organizational structures, and in this case, for an example, something that I've encountered both in places I've worked before and work with now is, for instance, all the vice presidents are all gathered on the top floor, and the managers are actually mm -hmm. separated from the workforce, creating an us versus them environment. Mm -hmm. Do you see some? What do you see as some of those sorts of things that also facilitate destructive conflict? Probably one of the first things that happens is orientation. Oh, and, okay. Um, if you think about just at the at a very basic level. Uh, any orientation that you've attended when you started, what you hear those first few days, who speaks to you, what they're saying, what, what you know, I remember starting at one company where, you know, a number of senior executives came in because uh, we were hired at a relatively high level and they came in and spoke to us and they all said, this is a great place, we want you to have fun and, you know, this we, we, we treasure, we value our human resources and then it was pretty much that wasn't the way it was really done. That wasn't th those weren't the behaviors that were really rewarded. So basically, the first message that's given to employees when they start. Another way that you can see um, uh, is the is the distribution of perks. You know what does one of rewards, whether they're the formal ones, the compensation and promotions, down to. Um, what office you get, what furniture you get, um, uh, who gets to go to the conference in Hawaii and who gets to go to the conference in Bayonne. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, uh, um, those kinds of things I think uh, certainly uh, have impact on, on how conflict is handled or avoided. Some of the other policies have to do with the way that, the way that um, jobs are assigned so you can look at how projects are, are, are assigned. You know, there are choice assignments, and then there are assignments that aren't really so terrific. And sure. then what's, what's the process? What, what, what is the, how is, what's the process that's followed? Very few organizations can really articulate how they do that. And, yes. and so, so some of those things are subtle, and yet they have profound impact. Mm -hmm. When you mentioned the perks, there was a, an example from, again, a previous life that came screaming back to mind, and it caused such organizational angst. It was high on every culture survey done every year, and it was that the executives had these parking spots right in front of the door. <laughs> right. They weren't all that right. special. I mean, uh, you know, I, I never could figure this out myself. These, these parking places might have been 20 feet closer to the door. But right, right, right. But it's such a right. people, and they wouldn't give up these That's parking right. spaces. 
<laughs> That's right. It, it, it really yeah. reminded me of when I taught fifth grade in another life. You know, it was like, you know, who I I get to, I get to carry the pencils today. You know, it's it becomes yes. it really it it becomes so silly, and people don't they just fall into it. They really do fall into it, and it is the parking space, and it is who's the favored one, and and there are so many subtle ways that that occurs at work. And again, if I you can look at the large corporation with, where where you have the broader impact, but then you have the more the day-to-day impact of who is managing you and what what department you're in. But then if you go to the small companies, the sm- you know, and you have an, uh, an entrepreneur who is heading up a company, mm-hmm. the the entrepreneur that is that is moody doesn't really even want to establish policies. Then you have then you have again a real opportunity for for destructive conflict. So size of the organization determines who is going to impact you and how much the person at the top is going to impact you, and then the policies as well. We've talked a lot about organizations that have conflict. I think all organizations have conflict. But there are so. Yeah, but, but there are some, <laughs> I, I would suggest, that have conflict so bad that when I've walked in the door, I could just see the conflict. You could feel it yes. as you walked down the hallway. Yes. Why do executives and managers seem to avoid resolving this destructive conflict? Uh, first, let me say that why I said I hope so. Uh, I hope that every organization has conflict because if it didn't, they would be dull. They would be dead and they would not be creative. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and constructive, you know, const- um, conflict is you know, as much a part of our lives as breathing is. Oh, sure. So sure. I, went, I, I went out to dinner last night at a restaurant that is a national chain. Mm-hmm. We, I walked over to the hostess's um, stand, and um, three of them were standing and talking, and nobody turned around to look at me. And, okay. um, and they, were, they weren't talking necessarily friendly. They weren't arguing, but you could pick up this wasn't relaxed. Mm-hmm. And so I'm standing there, and ne- not one of them turns around to talk to me. I'm already aware that the way that this organization is handled and managed, there is conflict because they're not focusing on the customer. So yeah, you can you can tell you can tell when you walk into an organization, the receptionist, how the receptionist treats, or the if it's retail, how the person behind the counter treats the people who walk in is a direct reflection of how conflict is handled in the organization. I just, okay. I've seen that over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Does that re- answer your question? Well, I was also wondering why um, executives and managers avoid resolving the conflict. Ah. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes we put unrealistic expe- expectations on managers. Okay. And the way that we handle conflict is basically what we learned when we were kids. Mm. So when I was a kid in my family, what we did was we we yelled, everybody yelled. And so I grew up, and it's very easy for me to raise my voice. So I had to get a doctorate in conflict resolution so I could <laughs> learn, learn new behavior. Um, you know, you do teach what you need to learn. Um, yeah. the, I have found um, very often that um, executives uh, are 
averse to dealing with conflict. They, 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 they are uncomfortable with it. They're not necessarily adept at mediation. Mm-hmm. One of the things that happens very, very often is, so you, you go into your, your manager and you say, there's some problems that I'm having with my, my peer. And okay. this could be at a very senior level or even a more junior level. And you say, I'm having troubles with my peer. Generally, the first thing that your manager will say is, well, what's going on? And then you tell them, and then they probably will either do nothing, speak to the person you're in conflict with, um, or or say, go fix it, you know, go make up and work and, you know, get along with each other. Mm-hmm. Whereas my suggestion to executives is that when someone comes into you to discuss or complain about someone else, the first thing you do is say, have you spoken to the person? Because once I say, tell me about it, then I have now from the part of the person who's speaking to me, there's some perception that I'm going to be on your side. And so uh. executives really have a hard time with being, really playing neutral and facilitator. What they do far too often, and, and I've seen that women executives do this a little bit more than male executives, they, they try to fix things by meeting individually with each one of the disputants. But the disputants then are not learning behavior of how to resolve conflicts. Okay. The other kind of executive that, that falls into this category that has a hard time is the, the people who are, are aggressive. And so they just give their whatever they think should happen and, you know, you know just buck up and, and there should be no conflict here. Sure. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this special edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast. I would like to personally thank Diane Katz for being with us today and sharing her insights on resolving workplace conflict. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at strategydriven.com. If you enjoyed the show, please consider voting for us on Podcast Alley and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Diane Katz and When at Work at www.theworkingcircle.com. Until next time, so long.